I'm Vicki Childs, and I'm the host of PI Answers. And we have a great show for you today with some great information, so I hope you can all stay tuned. With us today is Dr. Dorothy Edwards, who is the director of the Green Dot Program. And you can go to livethegreendot.com and get more information on that. But what we're going to talk about is bullying and stalking and um, power-based personal violence. And and Dorothy has developed this program to train people to be aware of crime and also to prevent crime before it ever happens. So, Dorothy, welcome to the show today, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, thank you so much. I'm so glad to be here. I'd like for you to tell our listeners a little bit about your background and how you came to start the Green Dot Program. Sure. Um, I've been, uh, my, my background is actually, um, uh, got my, um, did my graduate work in counseling psychology, um, and I've been working in the field of violence prevention, specifically um, uh, sexual violence and dating violence, domestic violence, and uh, stalking for most of my career, about 15 years. And um, I, I came into the field with, um, you know, people come to this work for a lot of different reasons. Um, I came to the work um, with personal mission in mind, and um, that was uh, the notion that as a result of my life um, on the planet, I wanted less people to have experienced this kind of uh, violence. And about 10 years into my work, I kind of had a, a, a pause. Um, I, I switched jobs and moved geographically, and it was a real time of reflection for me, and I asked myself the question, have I made progress in kind of my personal goal to re- reduce violence? And when I looked really closely at my work, I, I really realized that I had not. Um, I had done some cool things, and um, I got good job evaluations and, and, and planned some neat events, but I didn't have any evidence to suggest um, less people are actually getting hurt. And so I'm kind of out of that um, dissatisfaction, that reality. Um, I came to question how I was doing the job. I came to question how we were uh, approaching prevention and um, began to look at the research, um, what was other prevention research, what are what are things other fields had done before. And from that time of exploration, um, I, I developed the, the Green Dot Prevention Strategy. Okay, so tell us... Um Tell us a little bit about this this strategy and what it entails. Um, the, the the concept is that um, violence. Very often, when we talk about this kind of violence, we hear statistics you know, like one in three or one in four or thirty three percent. Or, and the reality is, um, violence isn't a single statistic. Um, uh, violence uh, is a bunch of single individual choices and acts. And the visual we kind of came up with to represent that is kind of think of a map of your community or a map of the United States and imagine those, those maps they use to, um, to, uh, to show the spread of an epidemic where there's a bunch of little red dots and these red dots, you know, spread across the map and they say, gosh, if we don't find a cure, um, um, this is how this disease is going to spread. And everyone knows what that picture looks like. Well, in this case, we go, you know, the red dot, instead of it being some disease, um, a red dot on our map represents one person's choice in any given time um, to use their behavior or their words or their choices to contribute to or to tolerate any kind of violence. And our... um, the, 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 the concept is um, there are enough of these individual 
choices, these individual red dots that we sustain in across this country, we sustain levels of violence like one in three, one in four, one in five, depending on what they're measuring. And um, the green dot is about let's begin to counter those dots. Let's begin to counter those choices. And so a green dot is an individual's choice to say, I'm going to do some little tiny thing or some big thing. I hope you guys stayed with us. A uh, little technical difficulty there, but I'm back, at least via phone for now. Um, Dorothy, thank you so again for joining us. And I know that when uh, I had technology failure, you were explaining what, what Green Dot is and spreading Green Dots across the country. Um, so I missed a lot of that conversation, but I know that, that what you do is extremely important in, in making people aware of different crimes that can happen and also helping them to know how to prevent them and helping bystanders know how to prevent them. So talk a little bit about what you what you teach people in, in the awareness aspect. Well, for a long time, uh, we've talked about this kind of violence prevention. We've really talked um, like there were only two kind of characters in the story. We talked about uh, potential victims and or potential perpetrators. And we were trying to get perpetrators not to perpetrate, and we were telling potential victims, hey, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And the fact is um, that hasn't had the desired effect. The fact is that the numbers haven't come down to the degree um, that we want them to. And uh, what we really realized was there's a third character in this in this story to, to um, sustain this level of, uh, of violence. You're not only need perpetrators, but you need um, bystanders, people in the community that are willing to stand by and do nothing. So what we talk about is really mobilizing these bystanders. We talk about um, uh, a, a, a couple of things. Number one is convincing folks in any given community that they have a role, that they have a stake in keeping the members of their community safe. The second thing we do is we really acknowledge that there's a reason bystanders don't step up, that it can be hard for people. Um, sometimes people are worried about their own safety. Sometimes um, it's not so dramatic. Sometimes I, I think to myself, gosh, I, I really see something here that, that I'm, I'm worried about, but you know what, I'm, I'm so shy, or uh, you know, I'm such an introvert, or I don't want to make a scene. Um, sometimes we don't act because um, we're worried what other people will think. You know, what will my friends think? Um, you know, uh, what, what will be the social consequences if I do this? And so we really acknowledge that stepping up can be a hard thing to do. And we assume whatever obstacles you have, whatever, whatever makes it hard for you to stand up, we assume that's going to remain. Like if you're shy, you're going to stay shy. If you're afraid of what your friends are think, um, you're going to still be afraid of what your friends think. And what we suggest is no matter what your obstacles are, what could you do despite them? So, for example, if you see something going on, say you're in a, in a bar and you see uh, some high-risk situation, maybe someone is, you know, drunk and being led away by someone they don't know, and your gut says, gosh, I should really do something. This doesn't look good. But you're thinking, I'm so shy. Like the thought of going up and confronting this feels hard. And what we say is, that's okay. Find something a shy person could do. So in this case, maybe what that bystander would do is maybe they would get a friend of theirs to go check on the situation, or maybe they would talk to the bartender or the bouncer, or maybe they would find his friends or her friends to go 
uh, confront that situation. So they would delegate it to someone else. And so w- we don't really give a specific list of, um, you know, hey, everyone should do these five things. What we say is um, no matter what your challenges are, there's always something you could do. Right, and I think that that all of us have probably been in a situation where we saw something that was very suspicious to us, and just by either our own instinct or experience, we we recognize that somebody might potentially be in trouble. But we also we also might feel really embarrassed if it turns out to be nothing, or or perhaps we might be putting ourselves in jeopardy by intervening, or we're going to look really silly with egg on our face when it's over. So I, I think a lot of us have to overcome that and and just and just take some sort of action, even if it does turn out to be silly. Have, Like you said, have the bartender intervene, or if it's in a bar, have a bouncer intervene, or if you're on a campus, you know, talk to a, a security police officer or ask somebody else. What do you think about that? Does that look weird to you? Absolutely. Absolutely. And fact is, very rarely um, are you going to look at a situation and know for sure, oh my God, that is something horrible that's happening. Like, very rarely are you going to walk in on a situation that's right getting ready to happen and you know for sure. And so, that's not a prerequisite. You don't have to know for sure. And intervening as a bystander doesn't mean like you put on a, you know, a Superman cape and jump into the middle of something and make a big deal. What we're saying is, most of the time you're not going to know. So what would happen if you just checked in? Like, what would happen if you just went up to somebody and said, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, I noticed this. How's everything? Is everything okay? Or, you know, women, we have kind of the universal excuse of we all go to the bathroom in pairs, you know? Mm-hmm, and so going up mm-hmm. to someone going, hey, girl, let's go to the bathroom. And then going, gosh, how much have you had to drink? Are you okay? Do you know this person? So even kind of that fear of, oh, gosh, I don't want to be embarrassed because I made a big deal out of it. Well, you don't have to make a big deal out of it. Sometimes just checking in. And the parallel that I think of is like... Um, like how um, in the last kind of 10 years this idea of not letting friends drive drunk has become um, more and more accepted and so if I'm out with my friends and we've all had a couple of drinks at the end of the night it's now just normal for my friends to say to me or for me to say to them hey are you okay to drive and I either say yeah drinking you know an hour ago and, and I'm fine or they see that I'm stumbling a little and they say come on girl we're going to drive you home and the point is it wasn't a big deal. They didn't say, oh, you're drunk and let's call the cops. Like, they don't make some big deal. They just check in and it's become normal and no one gets offended. And what I'm suggesting is we could do the same thing with this kind of violence where we see something that looks high risk. Maybe we notice a, a friend of ours and since they've been in this new relationship, we're worried about them. They're, they're, they've changed some of their behaviors. Maybe they're kind of showing up with some strange, unexplained marks on them and what if we just checked in? What if we just said, gosh, I've noticed um, some things that have, have changed and I'm worried about you. Is everything okay? And by really um, bringing down the stakes, instead of acting like it's got to be a big deal, if we just kind of think about checking in, it can really lessen how much people are worried about being embarrassed. Now, I think you're right about that, and I think that applies to, to anything from, from bullying to to somebody hanging around too much and being in somebody's face and interfering and asking too many questions or being being too um, strong Absolutely. in their in their approach and, and also even after somebody starts to date 
um, and, and actually it can go back to before somebody starts to date when you're when you're telling your friends about this person that you're going to go out with if, if things I always say if if it walks funny talks funny or smells funny then it's funny and and so exactly. there's no reason that you can't just ask some more questions ask more detailed exactly. questions and see see what's going on and like you mentioned in a bar um, going up to somebody and saying, hey, are you okay? You can also go up to somebody and just say, hey, uh, what time is it? And and I don't have my cell phone. Do you mind if I borrow yours? And just stop them for a moment, engage in some sort of conversation, Absolutely. or I really like that dress you have on. Where would you get it? Um, just to engage them in a conversation briefly so you can feel, get a feel for whether or not they're okay. Absolutely. You actually bring up a great point. What we talk about is, in Green Dot, what we talk about is, um, no matter what your obstacles are, no matter what would make it hard for you, there's options. And we talk about the three Ds. The first D is stands for direct. And for some of us, in some situations, we would feel very comfortable just walking up and directly confronting it. Hey, I noticed what's going on. I'm worried about you. Or, you know, some man walking up to uh, maybe another guy at a bar and going, man, what you're doing is not cool. You need to get your hands off. Or So some people would feel real comfortable with direct. Some people say there's no way I would do a direct in this situation. So we offer the second D, which is delegate. And those are some of the examples we already talked about, like get a bartender or get his friends or her friends or your friends. So you don't do the intervention yourself, but you make sure someone else does. Mm-hmm. And the third obstacle, or, or the third D, is the example you just gave. And we call it distract, which is maybe you're not going to make a big scene. Maybe you're not sure enough. Um, and so the option you just talked about of, you know what, I'm just going to go up and I'm create a distraction kind of long enough to make sure the situation doesn't escalate or long enough to get more information. So that idea of just going up and changing the conversation or, hey, can we go to the bathroom or I like your shoes mm-hmm. gives you a chance to kind of get more, uh, get more information. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right, and I think that's a, a much easier approach for some people is to, to just indirectly almost intervene in some way even if it's just temporary and just to distract and then you, then if you really get a, a sense that something's going on you can get other people involved too exactly if, even if they start to leave the place whether you go out and write a tag number down or whatever it is that you do um, exactly. uh, what about what about college campuses I, I want to talk a lot today about college campuses because I, sure. as, as a parent uh, of future college students and also having friends that have kids in college I, I know a lot goes on that's unreported or underreported. And yeah. what, are, what have you found in your research the statistics are for, for uh, college campus violence or, or sexual abuse? You know, it really depends on what they're measuring and how they're measuring it. Um, one of the most, after you know, a decade or two of, of research, um, the statistic that's most often cited for sexual violence, um, rape or sexual assault on a college campus, is uh, for women, it's about one in four. About one in four women will experience a, a, a sexual assault during their um during their time at college. Now, if you bring in um, other forms of uh, uh, violence like partner violence, uh, uh, dating violence, stalking, um, those numbers can go up as high as one in three, um, that one in three will experience some sort during their time. Um, What we know that we've seen really consistently is college, um, being a female college student, 
puts you at a dramatically higher risk than your than, than any other women in any other category. Um, mm-hmm. there, there's so many things in, in, in that environment, some things we understand, some things we don't, that really put um, uh, uh, women in particular um, at risk. And while we're talking about um, primarily women examples, it's always important to note that men can also be victims of this kind of violence. Um, and we talk about things like, like on a college campus, the, the majority of victimization is going to happen to women, although not exclusively. But if you go earlier in the lifespan, like, you know, sexual abuse, you're talking about, you know, numbers like one in six for little boys. And so um, it's important, even as we talk specifically about women, to really acknowledge men have a pretty direct connection to some of these issues as well. And another thing that happens a lot on college campuses is, is drinking, of course, and and, and how alcohol just enhances one's uh, one's uh, risk of being a victim of a crime. Right. And and, and uh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. Please. Well, I was just going to say it, it greatly. I think increases somebody's risk as a victim because their 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 ability to make good judgment and say no and yeah. and be alert in their behavior is greatly impaired. Exactly, and we know it's the um, number one date rape drug used um, in sexual violence against women on yeah. college campuses. But because of all the reasons you just listed, sexual violence um, very, very often will use alcohol to uh, uh, to uh, facilitate the the sexual assault or or the rape. And um, green dot. Um, uh, our approach is to really um, increase the um, bystanders' awareness of this risk, how risky alcohol can be. Because in real life, as a as a mother of a teenager myself, um, saying to a you know a group of uh, uh, of young adults or teenagers saying, "Hey, don't drink" or "Don't get drunk." Um, isn't going to be the most effective strategy because it's just a time period in our life um, where all of us um, engage in high-risk behaviors, not just drinking, but, you know, again, I think back to college and, gosh, how many stupid things I did. And we're not necessarily going to talk young adults out of that period in their life. That's just kind of pretty developmentally normal to, to, to engage in some high-risk and some limit-testing behavior. So what Green Dot does is say, instead of just saying or get drunk, what we do is say to the bystanders, we say to the people that are going to be at that party or around that party, um, you need to know this is high risk. And if you see um, one of your friends that has been, been drinking a lot, what are the steps you could take as a bystander to make sure violence doesn't happen? And maybe that's to make a plan in advance. Maybe that's to make a plan that we're all going to go together and we're going to leave together, you know, that no one's going to get uh, uh, left behind. Maybe it's developing some sort of a code word. You know, that if somebody gets uncomfortable, my daughter has given me that example um, where they, her and her friends um, uh, developed a, some sort of a code word that basically said, get me out of this situation, I'm feeling uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. So we really uh, filter that again through the bystander lens. How could we look out for each other if we are going to be drinking? And I think that I think that role, the bystander role, is very, very important in the prevention of all sorts of crimes and, yeah. uh, and especially power-based personal violence. Because yeah. if you see it going on, you recognize it, and what your training does is help people recognize some of the markers out there, some of the indicators Absolutely. that 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 happen just prior Absolutely. 
uh, power-based violence. We're going to take a break, Dorothy, so when we come back, I want to talk more about your program and um, and also go into some more of those green dot behaviors that you talked about. So Beautiful. stay with us. This is the Vicki Child Show on Hear Women Talk, produced and broadcast by the Zeus Radio Network, and we'll be right back. This is Paul Trulove on Zeus Radio Network for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, folks. This is private investigator Vicki Childs, host of the Vicki Childs Show on Hear Women Talk Radio. How safe is your cell phone? Is someone listening to all your calls or reading your text messages? How about your computer? Is someone watching all your keystrokes? Or do you want to know what your child, your employee, or your spouse are doing on a computer or cell phone. If you need computer or cell phone forensics, do what I do. Talk to Steve Abrams at AbramsForensics.com. Steve is a highly respected and skilled forensics expert as well as an attorney. Contact Steve Abrams for a free 15-minute consultation at AbramsForensics.com. That's AbramsForensics.com. Or click on the Abrams Forensics banner ad on Hear Women Talk and use promo code A. This is Dottie Laster, the host of Trafficked, an hour-long discussion about human trafficking in the United States. Join me as we meet guests from around the world and locally who are combating the fastest-growing crime in the world. Join us every Thursday at 1 p.m. Eastern on Hear Women Talk Radio. When you're in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, home of Zeus Broadcast Network and Hear Women Talk, there's a wonderful adventure that you should try. Carolina Safari Jeep Tours. Go to www.carolinasafari.com and check out Carolina Safari. Mention Hear Women Talk and get a discount from Carolina Safari Cheap Tours. See another side of Myrtle Beach. Get wild with wildlife. Explore history, nature, and mystery on a Carolina Safari Jeep Tour. This is Gina Tremarco with the Martini Meeting. Listen to the Martini Meeting with Eileen Soizan and myself every Thursday at 2.30 p.m. on Zeus Radio for HearWomenTalk.com. Hi, this is Judy Collins from Judy's House of Oldies, and you're listening to Hear Women Talk Radio on the Zeus Radio Network. Today our guest, special guest is Dr. Dorothy Edwards with the Green Dot Program, www.livethegreendot.com. For more information, I encourage everybody to go there and read about it. And if you have students, high school, college students, have them read about it. Um, and if they get a chance to go to any of the trainings or if if uh, the Green Dot program is offered in their area, please encourage them to do that as well. Dorothy, I want to talk a little bit. We mentioned before about statistically, and I, and I know that a lot of these crimes are either not reported or they're underreported as some small thing when actually it was a big thing. So I know this, yeah. but even even 25%, even one out of four is bad. Right. And, and it's certainly something that we should all be aware of. And let's say that it's probably considerably worse than that, I would imagine. Um, so it, it is bad, and, and knowing as a bystander what to do to intervene, and knowing as a person who might be a victim of that, what to do in those kinds of cases I think is extremely important it's it's always better to prevent a crime before it happens than yep. to wait yeah and and there are people um, who who've been through things and and didn't live to tell about it because they waited right right um, I heard one um, one uh, citation not too long ago from a government study um, that um, 
these kind of violent crimes that um, up to 60% of them are uh, witnessed by a bystander and only 15% of the time does the bystander do anything. And if you actually increase that, that's the actual crime itself, but if you actually um, took into account all of the kind of the warning signs leading up to a sexual assault or or, or dating violence situation, domestic violence situation, um, you're talking about the vast majority of the time there is someone along the way who is in a position to recognize and then act and do something to reduce the likelihood. And um, those are the green dots that we're that we're talking about. And so to kind of equip people, we do a couple of things. One is part of the green dot training is to really um, uh, equip people in our community, whether our community is a college campus or a high school or literally a community setting, a church or um, other coalition, um, we try to educate them about what do potential red dots look like? Like, what are the warning signs of sexual violence? And, and Vicki, you talked about one of them, but very often um, alcohol um, uh, it, it should be a red flag for people. People should go, oh, gosh, this might be something that at least I should um, check in on. Same with dating violence. We know a lot of early warning signs of dating violence, domestic violence, um, around things like power and control. You know, you notice a friend of yours is suddenly more withdrawn, and you notice they've changed how they dress, or you notice they seem to be more fearful or quiet when they're around their, the, the, the person that they're um, dating. So what we do is go, um, we're going to train the people in our community, the bystanders, to recognize some of these earliest warning signs so that they can do green dots. And these green dots, uh, Vicki, we call reactive green dots. That means I see a potentially high-risk situation, and I'm going to react. I'm going to do some sort of action to reduce the likelihood that this is going to play out. And we have talked about those three Ds. Um, could I give you a couple of examples of some really uh, cool yes, green dots that I've heard about? Um, and you, you wanted to focus on my college campus. Let me tell you some cool ones. We had one guy that went through a training, and um, he went through our bystander training, and um, sometime later, a couple of weeks, a month later, he was at a party. And he said, Dorothy, I, I saw a scene that I've seen a million times. I saw, uh, uh, you know, kind of one of my buddies um, leading this drunk girl kind of up to an isolated bedroom. And um, I knew I needed to say something, but all of my friends were around, and I didn't that guy, you know, that there's such a social cost if a guy steps in in a situation like this, but I needed to do something, so he opted for a distract, and what he did is he called up the stairs after his buddy, and he said, hey, dude, your car's getting towed, and this kid did exactly what he knew he would, um, because no one's got 150 bucks to get their car to tow, so mm -hmm. this kid runs down the stairs to check on his car, and he's gone long enough for her friends to get her out of there. So kind of like what you talked about earlier, there wasn't kind of a man-to-man -man educational moment about, you know, real men don't do this, et cetera, et cetera. But I'll tell you what, there was one less rape on my campus that night. So that's an example of a, 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 of a distract. Um, uh, another um, example that was a little more direct, um, a young woman um, came in and, and said, you know what, I, I, I had a green dot committed for me, and I said, tell me about it. And she said, when I was a freshman, I uh, was coming home from a party off campus, and I hadn't drank before, so I was really drunk. And I got in the elevator on my, in my residence hall, and, um, and two, two guys came in after me, and I didn't know who they were, but I was um, were trying to talk me into getting off on their floor um, and following And I was so drunk that when the elevator doors opened, I was following them off the elevator. And right before I got off, 
there was a, a another female student in the back of the elevator that I hadn't even noticed, and she just touched my arm, and she just said, hey, sweetie, this is the all-guys floor. Why don't you let me get you back to your room? Mm-hmm. And again... This isn't a big scene. This isn't a big dramatic moment. This was about a two-minute intervention that involved, hey, sweetie, this is the all-guys floor. And, again, almost guarantee resulted in one less rape. Um, and so we're talking about these just kind of little moments that people have. Um, another example, of, uh, kind of a, a final example of um, some, some folks in a bar. And um, uh, this, this young man saw a guy, again, what you alluded to, where he was kind of uh, really coming on too strong and pressuring this young woman to leave with him. And this, 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 this young man went up to some of his buddies and said, listen, I'm going to go confront this guy. Will you just keep an eye out for me and make sure it doesn't get out of hand? And so he just went up. This is one of the direct approaches. He just went up to this guy and said, hey, man, um, what's going on? I think you need to back off. And just kind of said, you know, made it really clear people see what you're doing and it's not okay. And again, that intervention kept anything from evolving any further. So it can look like a lot of different things, a big dramatic moment or a little tiny moment, and those are reactive green dots. And, and see, I think the, 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 the basic concept you have in this program is so important because not only learning to recognize those red dots, but understanding what an important role you play in in reactive uh, green dot behavior, and exactly. and and it's a so it's it it's both. It's not it's not just teaching what things can happen, what bad things can happen, but also how exactly. you how you handle it, how you disarm a person verbally and and make it okay. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so I think that's I think that's very important for for young people, especially to understand. Absolutely. And the second piece, because you, you may have some listeners that are going, well, you know what, I'm never in those kind of situations. Like, I never see red dots. And, um, and, and there's still a role for everyone, because even as we are addressing the potential red dots that come up, we need to be kind of shifting the norms in our community. We need to be making it clearer and clearer that violence won't be tolerated and that everyone is expected to step up and do their part. And how, how we uh, accomplish that in our program is something we call proactive green dots. And, and what that simply means is even if I don't see a potential red dot, what are the things I could be doing on a daily basis to kind of help set these norms, to, to let the community know these are important values of mine. And these are things that anyone can do, whether it's a student, teacher, an administrator, a parent, uh, anyone. And it's it's the little things that we do every day that kind of let people know what's important to us. So it's a simple, a proactive green dot is as simple as a conversation. It's it's uh, at the end of this radio show, picking up the phone and calling a friend of yours or calling your kid or, or calling your partner and saying, gosh, I just heard this, this, this show on green dots and this seems really important and we need to be talking about um, how we could be doing green dots in our community. And just that conversation is a green dot on that on that map. Um, a, a proactive green dot is is, uh, is what we have on our walls. Maybe it's getting um, um, some. If you if 
if you have an office, if you're a faculty administrator, um, maybe it's having a, a, a poster from a local crisis center, a domestic violence poster, up on your walls, or having brochures um, on your on your desk or your or your, or your table. Um, a proactive green dot I do all the time is I always wear my green dot pin because what that means is literally every day somebody says to me, "What's that pin?" and that me 30 seconds to say, actually, this pin symbolizes my commitment to do my part to make the world safer, to make my community safer, again, establishing the norm. Another thing, I know um, you're on a computer right now, another thing is the use of technology, that now um, websites and social networking like Facebook is one of the most common ways we spread our values. So what if we, what if we did a, a, a status update on our Facebook that just said, you know, check out the link to a local center. Check out the Live the Green Dot site. Um, here's my green dot for the day. What's your green dot? I'll tell you what, Vicki. I have read some insane status updates, you know. Like, <laughs> I just ate a good chocolate cupcake. Or, I mean, crazy <laughs> stuff that you think, was that really that important to share with the world? And if we can write status updates about eating a good chocolate cupcake, surely we could use that same tool to say, one of my values is doing my part to to reduce violence. And so proactive green dots are just these little tiny moments in time. I'm not asking your listeners to make this their life's work. I'm not asking them to, to drop what they're doing and start working for their local center. I'm asking your listeners that, that, that given the kind of numbers we're talking about, one in three, one in four, one in five, would everyone be willing to do one or two or three green dots because once we get enough people that will step up and do their one or two, three green dots of safety, begin to outnumber and displace those red dots, that's when the violence will begin to come down. Yeah, and I think that's a big, big part of prevention, whether it's in community policing that you see in the community and getting people involved in their, their neighborhood watches. and I mean, that's all awareness... Uh, being aware of what your neighbor's going through, being aware of a strange car in your neighborhood is kind of the same thing. If you if Absolutely. you know, if you notice and you're aware of all that's going on around you and you see something that just doesn't fit, then then taking action and that being proactive as well in uh, in making things safer in your environment, Absolutely. whether it's a school or Absolutely. whether it's your community, is very, very important. So I, I totally agree. And our prisons are full of people that that could have not been there if something had been done to prevent the violence that, that, that they did to get them in there in the first place. And prevention is a whole lot yeah. cheaper. It's a whole lot cheaper in the you criminal betcha. justice system than, than the uh, punishment is. So I, we, I totally agree. We do. We travel the country and we do um, uh, lots and lots of trainings for all different audiences, from military to college students to community members. And one of the questions we ask, um, and we let people respond through kind of a survey, one of the questions we ask of these trainings is, how many people know someone who has experienced one of these forms of violence? And every single time, at least 90% of the people know someone and love someone who's had this experience. And then we ask a second question. We say, for those of you who are familiar with, uh, with the incident of violence, um, how many of you... Um, how many of you are aware of there being a bystander somewhere along the way that could have responded? And that's always, again, always upwards of 70%. 
and this 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 notion that we this doesn't just benefit other people. This isn't about just taking care of other people. All of us have a direct connection. The people that we love, they're vulnerable. Our friends, our spouses, our kids, they're vulnerable. And if we're hoping other people will step up as bystanders when someone we love is at risk, I think it's important that we rise to the same part and that we when we see somebody else at risk, we're willing to do our part to reduce it. Absolutely. And and just just in thinking about day-to-day things go on. Somebody gets bullied on the school bus. Uh, somebody gets bullied at school or 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 jokes are made about person a person's clothing or their weight or something personal about them. All of that to me is bullying and and kids can can fully participate in this green dot behavior by saying, "You know what? It's not okay that you say that." Yep. It's not. It's not okay. It's not okay that you're laughing because that person is fat, or it's not okay that yep. you're laughing because that person uh, is gay, or whatever it is. And and that yep. that's the kind of stuff that's easy to teach, and it's pretty easy for kids to understand because if they've yep. ever if they've ever witnessed any of that or been a been a victim of any of that, they know exactly what you're talking about right off the bat. So it, exactly. I think it is easy for people to pick up. And all of us have seen things. I've been at the mall before, and I've seen two people getting into a, a heated argument or sure. or a, a parent just going off on a kid uh, in public and just railing on them physically right. and, and verbally. And, and to, you know, just step in and say, you know what, maybe you need to take a deep breath and just right. chill for a second and, and before you keep yeah. on going with that kind of behavior. Yeah, and some people are really comfortable with the examples you're given of going really direct. And what's important to know is that's not the only option, that there are, there's not one right answer. And so maybe you're not comfortable going, uh, you know, if you're a kid in school, um, it can be socially really hard to go up and say, knock it off, like it's not okay to make fun of this person. Some people can do it. Many people can't. And so letting them know that's your only option. If, if you can't do that, it's okay, and you're not a bad person. Maybe instead you'll just go tell a teacher. Right. You know, maybe instead right. you'll get a friend of yours to, to step up and do something. Maybe all you could do is go up to the victim and say, hey, you know, come sit with me at lunch. Or like you talked about earlier, maybe it's going to the victim and saying, hey, um, you know, I'm, weren't you in the English class? Um, don't we have an assignment due? Like maybe that's the best you can do. And mm-hmm. all of those are... All of those are okay options. I, I agree, and I think they're they're easy things for people to implement. We have a call on the line. We have Kay on the line with a question for you. Um, hi, Vicki, and it's not really a question. I wanted to share a green dot, red dot experience that Jeff and I had one time, um, if I may, and it was pretty sure, dramatic. Sure, go ahead. Uh, Okay, um, about two years ago exactly, and I know that because I recorded all of this in my palm pile, I have all these records, but Jeff and I were driving in rural Horry County, and we were really out in the boondocks, and we were driving down the road, and there was a couple in the road, and a car parked way up in front, and, and it was just woods all around us, and this, I said, what's going on up here, and Jeff said, oh, it looks like they're fighting, you know, arguing, and so I said, I hope he's not hurting her, so we drove by, and they kind of stopped whatever they were doing, they weren't, we couldn't see any blows or anything, it looked like they were just arguing, <clears throat> we drove past them slowly, and Jeff watched in the rearview mirror, and he saw this guy grab this woman by the hair and start pounding her head, 
And so Jeff quickly whipped the car around and, you know, drove back up to the people and, and, and I put down my side, my, on my window and he started yelling at the guy, leave her alone, leave her at the alone. And I mean, it was very violent. And the guy said, you don't know who she is. And Jeff says, I don't care who the F she is. You're not hurting her. So I'm telling her, get in the car, get in the car. So uh, anyway, ultimately she got in the car in the back seat and we sped off with her and, and, and the car parked farther up the road was occupied by this this man's mother and this lady who we rescued uh, told us that uh, she had spent the night at this guy's house and she had left was trying to get away and I don't know the circumstances um, and, and, and then when she tried to escape they followed her so we wanted to take her to the police she wouldn't let us and I, I wanted to take her to uh, Castle Citizens Against Spouse Abuse. She wouldn't let us. She had family that lived, lived nearby, and we took her there and dropped her off. But in the process of driving her there, I made her write down her name, her contact information, his name, his contact information, the license plate of the car. And then after we dropped her off at the family member's house, we called. Um, I called Castle and reported it to them, and gave them all the details. Um, and but it's just it, just that is a, an incident that was a, a red dot incident. You know, she could have been killed. Out there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and, and you're right. Taking, taking, excuse me. That's just extraordinary. Yeah, taking that taking that action could have saved her life. Probably did save her life, or at least kept her from being severely beaten. So that is the kind, and that, and that's more of an extreme green dot behavior and extreme red dot behavior too. But uh, but certainly a, a a good example of what an ordinary citizen can do. To step exactly. in and save somebody and imagine, else. And imagine multiplying that. What if everyone slowed down? You know, what if everyone slowed down when they saw something suspicious? Multiply that one green dot and don't ah, You know, what if that became the norm? What if everyone in our community increased by 20%, 30% how much they intervene? What kind of impact um, could we have? And I've heard situations like that where they see, um, uh, where, where people have seen a couple in a car and um, very often um, what the caller just shared can feel too intimidating to people or they're worried about safety or maybe they're just one person in the car and they're not sure what might, what might happen. And so people have come up with some amazing other options like something I referred to, like they just drove by and they took down a license plate and then they, they called the police kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. So just a really inspiring um, example. I'm, I'm so glad she shared. Good. I, I am too, and thank you, Kay, for sharing that with us. I, I wanted to bring up something I read about this morning, heard about this morning on the news, and and was reading about it on the internet, and that is a Rutgers College, or Rutgers University student that committed suicide. Have you heard about that, Dorothy? I have not. I haven't. Um, he committed suicide this week because his roommate, with a webcam in the dorm room, videotaped him having sex with somebody while he was across the hall in another person's dorm room watching it live via webcam and then he immediately started streaming it online now this is not your typical your typical uh, necessarily typical anyway uh, bullying behavior or, or criminal behavior that we sometimes see but a, a couple of things could have happened here the the girl that was with the guy that was streaming this video could have could have stopped him and shut it down, but she didn't. Right. And now they've both been charged um, with 
with uh, invasion of privacy, uh, criminal criminal um, release of information over the internet uh, against somebody else or without somebody else's knowledge. And so this guy found out about it, obviously, and was ridiculed and and um, it, it drove him nuts. So he goes and jumps off a bridge and kills himself this week. So that's not the the typical kind of criminal behavior we might be used to with somebody getting slapped and beaten or or um, or verbally abused. But it is it's an example to me of a situation where somebody took that opportunity to. In its in its mildest form, to me, it's bullying. In its worst form, it, it, they're considering all sorts of charges, including hate crime charges and and numerous other things. But now these other two college kids are are going to serve time, or at least be prosecuted for this event. And how horrendous! How horrendous! And the people that were watching it, one of them could have easily stepped up and tried to put a stop to it, but they did. We're hearing more and more. It's unfortunately it's not that uncommon, Vicky, that the, the, the web based, internet based harassment is and bullying is incredible. Uh, what in our in our high schools and in, in our colleges, people get online, people get on Facebook and they can do some merciless harassing and bullying and um, you know, we're hearing more and more situations of um, people like like um, uh, people um, many many people observing this kind of online behavior, but choosing not to do anything, and it having devastating consequences right up to suicide. This isn't the first kind of uh, 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 web-based, kind of web-initiated um, kind of suicide that, that that's happened. And like you said, it's not just the two people that were in the room that one of them could have stopped it, but how many people? Like how many people were watching it and could have made a phone call, could have called uh, uh, whatever, whether it was Facebook, whoever was streaming it. I don't have any idea. I didn't mean to. um, But whoever was streaming it could have made a phone call, could have called an RA, could have, you know, like there were so many um, potential opportunities to have stopped that from from happening. And and I'm so glad you paid attention to the web-based stuff that is going on because it is becoming a, a major tool. Yeah, it is, and and there is a lot of bullying that goes on over the internet. And you're right; other people have committed suicide, and over over the the great burden they they had to bear of embarrassment. Yeah, and and ridicule. So, so it, it's becoming more and more prevalent. So, these kind of things are equal, in my opinion, to somebody getting physically beat up. Because this is another way to beat somebody up, literally, almost uh, by via internet. So it's not your typical physical abuse that we might be used to hearing about, but it happens, and it has the same yeah. devastating effect in a lot of cases. You bet. I've seen it. I've seen the web-based stuff used across different crimes. It's good. It is a regular. Can be a regular part of. Um, a domestic violence or dating violence situation, ranging from you know kind of tracking um, the victims' movements and emails and breaking in to uh, to again posting unwanted um, uh, information or pictures that were taken during a time of consent, and then they threaten or actually do post that to humiliate them. Um, and sexual violence, I've seen I've seen Facebook use on college campus to um, to harass. A victim who had reported to try to shut her down and get her to withdraw her um, report, and we certainly know in stalking, um, 
the, the web-based stuff is used all the time to track what's happening, uh, to track someone's movements and those kinds of things. Um, I think it's going to become more and more and more pervasive. So I absolutely agree that it's, it, it, it is by no means less than some of these physical manifestations. Very often they go um, uh, hand in hand. Yeah, and it, it's used as a blackmail tool too. So yeah. uh, it's it's pretty incredible what it's come to. Um, I wanted to talk just briefly about the the case in Virginia with the two lacrosse players, male and female, and and the girl who died there. What do you know about warning signs that were out there prior to her being killed? I'll be honest with you. Um, I know just what anyone else um, knows uh, in the media. I don't have any insider's knowledge or, or, or back knowledge, and so I want to be careful about speaking outside what I know for sure and, and speaking of just second-hand stuff. But what I know generally is that in an ongoing dating violence relationship like what's happening there, both his friends and her friends, um, it is the norm for there to be signs and for them to see signs. I mean, we know, I mean, we notice this doesn't happen, this kind of violence, especially an ongoing dating violence situation, it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Our friends see these behaviors. They, the friends and family notice things. Gosh, something's been different. And it, from what I've only heard secondhand through the media, it seems like there was some direct witness to some explosive exchanges between the, between the couple. And some bystanders may have done stuff, but I don't know. But as soon as the day I had that case, the questions that began to go through my mind were um, what bystanders along the way might have intervened? Yeah. What could have been done to have stopped what happened? And and not only bystanders who who saw her on a daily basis, but also those bystanders who may have seen postings on Facebook or his Facebook or yeah. uh, text messages or been been uh, nearby when maybe she had been on the phone with him and there was crying or there was distress. And, and all those things are, are like you say, warning signs. Uh, right. And what I had heard on the news only as well was that, that they had, she actually had broken up with him because of some of these behaviors. And, right. uh, and what we know is that's the highest risk time. Yes. Yes, and even during that breakup, I think there were also other warning signs that people were seeing. So, it it pays to to be aware, to to be aware of all the red dot behaviors. Take take it, advantage of what you can and use the tools that you have to have green dot behaviors, and try to put a stop to this kind of violence. And, and I think you're right too with the bystander approach. It's very very important that we all take an active role in sort of looking yeah. out for each other the best that we can yeah. and she, you know, she, and, and diplomat, diplomatically this program I know addresses all the things that can be done to to with the three D's that you said to keep something yeah. from happening to prevent that violent act um you know, when I was growing up, if, if if a bully messed with you, or in, I can remember in the second grade getting teased and ridiculed, and I just hauled off and kicked the living snot out of somebody, and you know, well, well I don't want to teach kids to be violent. At the same time, sometimes Please. kids are are not going to take it any longer than they have to, and they will, yeah. they will throw that punch, especially if they have yeah. no other alternative. Yeah. So your your program is a a great example of of people doing good. 
um, the the things that y'all do to train people is is super. Uh, like I've said before, I'm a firm believer in preventing the violence rather than having to treat it later, and it's a whole right. lot less stressful and less expensive on the criminal justice system as well to address it before it happens, prevent it. And, and go forward. So the training that you're doing, the bystander training, the awareness and the prevention training that you're doing is is extremely important. And I commend you for your program because I know it's having an effect, just like you said in those examples that you talked about. It, anybody that's listening, if you want more information, please go to livethegreendot.com. Read about the program. If you have connections in high schools or colleges and, and you want... Dorothy and her group to come to you for training and put on the training. Like she said, they're doing it at colleges, at military bases. They're doing it for faith-based communities and teaching people this Green Dot program and how to be more aware and and, um, use their own talents to prevent violence. So anything else that you want to to encourage people about out there, Dorothy? Well, I was just going to say this kind of violence is it like cancer? Cancer, the scientists are still looking for a cure. This kind of violence, we know the cure. If the majority of people in a community will say, I won't tolerate it, like I won't tolerate it in my line of vision, then tomorrow the numbers would come down. So this is less about finding a cure and more about convincing people that there's hope and convincing people that their small green dot can, can make a difference. And once we convince enough people to step up with those green dots, the, the cure will be implemented. I, I think you're right. Let's let's let it spread and not and not as a bad thing, but as a good thing, and spread nationwide, right. worldwide, and encourage right. people to do what they can to to prevent violence. Uh, there's no need for you to be silenced. There's no need for you to be scared. There's no need for you to take it or to let your friends take it. There, there's no reason that all of us can't stand up and do something even if it means making a phone call to somebody else to, to get them in, in, engaged and get them to help. We all have the ability to do something. So thank you again for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. And, again, everybody go to livethegreendot.com, read about it, learn about it, and and participate in this. It's a great, great idea. Uh, Dorothy, can people can people actually order some green dots and wear one like you said or get some posters absolutely absolutely if they go to the website there's all sorts of information um, about you know getting posters there's a bunch of free downloadable stuff posters and flyers they could put up on their wall in their office or their uh, their locker or, or classroom whatever it might be so if they go to that website there's all sorts of stuff um, and our contact information is on there so if they have more questions they can just get in touch with us and we'll we'll work with them that's awesome. Thank you so much. I encourage everybody to do that. I'm going to do that. And as a as a teacher in criminal justice, I'm going to encourage my students to do that. So I really, really appreciate it. Um, please come back and join us next week for the Vicki Child Show, PI Answers, on Hear Women Talk. Uh, I'll have a very special show next week. We're going to be talking about scams, and uh, particularly 419 scams. If you want to Google that, look it up. We're going to talk to... Uh, somebody who can who's investigated these scams and also some victims of these scams. So please join us next week for it's a different kind of uh, red dot behavior, Dorothy, but, yeah, <laughs> but right. one that's happening a lot, especially via the internet. Um, so again, thank you so much. LiveTheGreenDot.com. I appreciate you being with us. Thanks to all our listeners for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>